This podcast is brought to you by absolutely no one. The Bold and the Beautiful podcast with Dave Vella. Who the hell is Dave Vella? Well, hello, beautiful people, and welcome along to the podcast. It's Dave Ella here. Now, I want you to imagine this, waking up in a Cambodian hospital and being told that doctors will probably have to amputate your leg at the hip. Well, my guest today was overseas in Asia facing this very real possibility as the flesh on his leg was being eaten away. This flesh-eating disease is called necrotizing fasciitis, and it's an infection that results in the death of parts of the body's soft tissue. And it is not pretty, let me tell you. Just Google some pictures to see how full on this actually is. The thoughts that must have run through his mind whilst confronting images of his own leg are incomprehensible. The emotional struggle, the pain, the acceptance of having to have your leg cut off. Man, what a journey of the mind. How would you handle that? How did he handle that? Let's find out, shall we? Meet my beautiful guest, Matty Blazanic. So good to have you here. Thank you. Um, we literally bumped into each other down the street the other day. I think I was coming out of Woolies, and you were just uh, meandering down the street, mm. looking stealth. <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, who's this dude walking in front of me?" And I went, "Ah, oh, it's Maddie." And um, I literally said, "Hey, come and have a chat on the podcast." And um, here you are. Yes. So good, man. Gorgeous. Well, it's good to catch up with you. It's been too long, too long. We've mm. been friends for obviously. Over 12 years now mm. through the martial scene. I remember underground MMA when we used to fight the cage scene yep. 10 years ago. Yep. You used to MC a lot of that. Yep. Uh, I've known you through other various friends. Yep. Through and the, up at the coast and whatnot. And acquaintances. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously since I've moved to Byron and you came down to Byron mm. um, and started coaching at the same gym That's that I right. was coaching. I walked in and you were on the mats and mm. we both just, what, yeah. what? Yeah. I, I got sort of poached down the, mm. trained a bit of Muay Thai at that gym for a while. That's right. You were poached down there, weren't you? Yes. Yeah. Poached from Paul Demacoli. Yeah. And then um, we got to do a little bit of training together, a little bit of um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which was good. Mm. And um, and now we're here having a, a chin wag and just about stuff in general. But I really, I suppose I've been amazed at your story because you, and I don't know the name of it, so you're going to have to fill me in with the name, but basically sure. with what happened to your, it's like septicemia or something, was I it? I had sepsis. Yep. And then I also developed cellulitis. That's so the one. 284 times inflammation per cell of the human body. I had renal failure. They likened my kidneys to someone who'd done the Boston Marathon twice without a glass of water. I had lung failure and pneumonia. So I wasn't aware, but one of my friends that visited me, they were actually vacuuming my lungs on a daily basis. They have tubes down my lung. I wasn't aware of it, but when I, when I came to 12 days of ICU, um, my leg developed a term called necrotizing fasciitis. That's the one. That's the one I was Nec looking for. Nec-fec, the medical call it in short. Yeah. Uh, I'd never heard of it. something to do with death. I mean, because there's necrophilia, well, which is having sex yeah, with dead people. Necrotic. So it comes from 
something that becomes necrotic dead. is rotting. Yeah, rotted death, and yes. dead. Yeah, yeah. Unlike gangrene, where you, something is dead and then it rots, mm. this is alive. Hence, the inflammation per cell. So I was. So it's literally just eating itself away, dissolving. Yeah. To mush. So how did you get it? I scratched my toe. That's all I did, and for a while. I was thinking it was location because I was in my friend's house in Cambodia. Mm -hmm. I've got long-time family friends there. Um, I scratched my toe hopping into a hammock. The hammock moved and I put my foot down and I just grazed a brick. The smallest... So not a, not a nail, nothing rusty? No, just grazed the brick brick wall. Um, three days later, I had excruciating foot and I started feeling quite unwell. And pretty much the next day I was... Um, in the floor of the hospital dropping dead. And that was the last I remember. Uh, so I was, I was worried that it was a location thing. Oh, Cambodia, dirty, dirty, mm. Thailand, dirty. But the scientists have told me in no uncertain terms that this happens worldwide. And this, this, the bug that got me was streplococcal A. So strep, yeah. Strep, and strep A, which has a 480 time mortality rate, Apparently, one in three humans is covered at any given time of the day worldwide. So, what, what is the strep that most people get in gyms and stuff? Is that strep? The strep, strep B, which will get throat infections and things. Yeah. Hence the word strepsils, the lollies. Oh, yeah. The lozenges. Oh, there you go. And gyms normally around, say, BJJ. Yeah. That's staph. Oh, staph. But isn't that a form of. Well, golden staph comes from the nose. Yep. And strep comes from the human stomach. It's mm. harboured from the stomach. Okay. So, yeah, anywhere, any given time, one in three is, is dripping in it. So, tell me, if you grazed your foot mm -hmm. on a brick, I'm, I'm assuming that this particular thing can't live on a brick, can it? No, and this is where I think it's just coming in contact with other humans throughout my daily encounters. So, you've. you've or whether it was coming off my own body. And, and, and got in. Infecting yourself. You yes. see, the Thais have called this Bartayak for thousands of years, and they believe it's in their superstitious world. They believe it's the black demon comes from the ground, enters through your toe, and attacks Buddha's magic internally. Mm. Steals your strength. So in Australia, I'm just the bloke who had a, a bad run. Yep. But in Asia, I'm a superhero because I beat the black spirit. Wow. So, yes. They've known about it for centuries, but only under Bartayak superstition. In 1994, Malcolm, my uncle's best mate, worked for Channel 9, and he went over and did a camera show on Skid Row, and they had this bloke there who'd had a poisoned leg and was dying of neck feck. Mm. And that's when it finally got medically diagnosed as a condition. Mm. So, so you're, tell me, you're, you're in Cambodia. Yep. You, you scratch your toe, you get on to the hammock and you're just hanging out? Yep. How long till you in hospital? The next day? No, 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 no. Uh, two days later, I'm on the plane. I'm back in Pattaya. I'm kicking around Pattaya with a very sore foot. Went and saw my friend from the chemist. He thought maybe just a small fungal infection, getting a little bit red and inflamed. Um, that afternoon, I passed out in my friend's shop. Cracked my head 6.3 centimetres. Woke up to the tyres covering me in ice towels. My whole body, I don't even know where they got the ice water from. And then there was two paramedics. Um, I've always felt intrusive, like I'm imposing on par uh, paramedics. Mm. I don't like people that ring them up every time they've got an issue. And unless you seriously need a paramedic, I don't believe in wasting their time. And I'd never had this feeling come over me ever. So I wasn't aware of what I was feeling. 
I almost felt like I'd had too many late nights and I just needed a good night's sleep. That's mm. what I, I was feeling. And they were saying, you should come with us. And I was saying, look, I don't think I need to. Perhaps you go and look after someone more important. And I think I'll be right if I get a good night's sleep. I went and got a motel room, didn't even bother going home. And woke up in the morning to hand the key in and that's the woman, she, all she could say was clinic, 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 and just kept pointing to the door. And then I started to get that overwhelming feeling, the same as when I passed out of my friend's shop. So I sat down and then I was perspiring ridiculously. So I just got outside, hailed a motorcycle taxi, said, I apologise, but I'm going to hang on for my dear life. I don't know what's happening. Take me straight to Bangkok Hospital. And as I got off to pay him, I actually was passing out. They've got concierge on their hospitals and the, the concierge at the door must have seen me going down. All I remember is two guys sort of scooping me and like a uh, golf cart pulling up abruptly. And then I vaguely remember just like an inter intensive care door being burst open. And that's pretty much all I remember. And 12 days in ICU. 12 days ICU, woke up mm. and then they said, good news, you've lived, but bad news, mate. Your leg's going at the hip and you've got four hours a day on a dialysis machine for the rest of your life. When, when you say your leg's going at the hip, as in... We have to remove it. Got to cut it off. Yep, we can't stop this necrotizing fish. How did you feel when you heard someone saying they're going to cut off your leg? Uh, it, it was extremely confronting, but at the same time, Dave, I'm... I haven't come from the normal fucking, pardon my language, normal lifestyle. I grew Sorry, up. In a, I've got an explicit rating on this. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I grew up in a very uh, heavy area out near Frankston in Melbourne, mate. So I've been confronted with a lot of other things. Maybe the normal class human hasn't. I don't seem to get scared of things like that. Mm. So yeah, I I see it more as forewarned, forearmed. So it gave me the ability now. What do I have to come up with in, internally to deal with what they've just because I'm not going to accept it. Mm. There's got to be other ways. It's not the final straw in my eyes. So luckily through, um, well, this is confusing because the psychiatrist and the GPs and everyone who's been looking after me throughout the whole process, at the end of it, I kept saying to them, uh, what do you think it is? Is it good scientists, great doctors? They said, no. I said, okay, good genetics, good family? No. Okay, power of prayer and everyone backing me around the world? No. And I say, well, what is it? And they all say, it's you. And I kind of don't really believe it. I've never really believed in myself that in that way, like I'm a positive person mm. or anything to offer really. I'm just sort of, I feel like I'm normal everyday kind of guy. And I found that I, I, I wouldn't believe it. Like, mm. What do you mean it's me? And they're going, it's all you. It's your, your attitude, your approach, everything you've done Absolutely. prior and after. Yep. It's all you. And then I was actually in tears, sobbing at the hospital, and the psychiatrist came in who'd been looking after me, and he said, um, you're the top 5% of any trauma victim I've come across. And I'm looking at him going, I'm crying. What are you talking about? And he's like, trust me. <laughs> half of them just go to the pub and give up. The other yeah. half take their lives, mate, or stick a needle in their arm. So... I found that profound, mm. so I'll own it. Mm. But um, I did cosmic things. People might think I'm a spinner, but I started in turn. Yeah, we all call you crazy, Matty. That, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crazy. At least I know I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the um, internal meditation, yep. like almost 
trying to talk to myself, mm. visualising internally into my own leg. I'm, I'm a big believer in, I mean, you know, everyone, there's a lot of research done around the thoughts that we have every day. And mm-hmm. they, they believe that we have somewhere between 40 and 60, 70,000 thoughts a day. Um, they also, when I say they, this is people that have studied this stuff, also believe that most of those thoughts are negative. Yes. Most of those thoughts are either negative about yourself, negative <coughs> about other people, negative about just shit that's happening to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the trick is being able to turn that around and making most of those positive thoughts. And that's what the doctors, you know, I think mm-hmm. are saying about you. Mm-hmm. It's about you've got more positive thoughts and you've got negative thoughts. You've got... I think you're, you're a man that sees the glass half full, not that sees the glass half empty. And that, I think that makes a massive difference. I think there's so much power wrapped up between our ears and wrapped up here that we don't access properly. No. That the mystics know how to use it. Yes. The true martial artists know how to use it. Those that practice deep, and I don't want to say spirituality and sound like a wanker and, and all that sort of stuff, but spirituality is different for everyone yeah and but to me real spirituality is about going internal and about learning about yourself and how you connect with the world and part of that well a lot of that comes inside the head it's all inside your head it is and and like we were talking about that picture inside my dojo that painting which was painted back in uh 1711 it's a, a samurai and he's battling a demon. And, and as we were speaking about, for me, it represents a man battling his own demons. Exactly. And those demons, it, it's funny because the demons grab it onto his head with his big claws, mm. he's ripping it into his head. But it's about demons getting into your head because all of our demons are in our head. Yes, and you said 40 to 60,000 thoughts. And, and a lot of this mentality I've tried to develop since this leg, through this leg and post, is. We don't, I don't think we think thoughts anymore. We receive them. Because mm. if you challenge yourself, oh yeah, yeah, Eckhart. You mean like we're not, we're not Eckhart Tolle will thoughts? say, Eckhart Tolle's got a great one where if, if your mind's going that crazy, you actually challenge yourself and say, okay, what will my next thought be? Mm. And your brain shuts off because you've, you've tricked it. You've asked it to come up with something and it won't. Mm. It's, so okay. you're receiving. And if you attach, well, obviously it's going to run. You're going to be snowballed. But well, well, yeah, and isn't, isn't that interesting that you say that? And now that you're saying it, it's making more sense. Like if you think about advertising and how advertising works, mm-hmm. it all happens subliminally. Yes. You know, like most people, and I remember back in the day when I was a kid and, and you were watching TV, you had to watch ads back in the day. <laughs> it's not like YouTube these days where you could skip the ad in three seconds. You, know, you, you couldn't do that shit back in the day. It was like you're, you're watching something on TV and you knew then you had about six or seven ads all 30 seconds long, and you sit there just mind-numbingly watching those ads. Or you ran to the kitchen. Or you ran to the kitchen. <laughs> you got a snack, you went to the <laughs> toilet. <laughs> you flicked over to another channel, see what else is on, come back. But most, most of the time you're, you're watching these ads, and they're just getting into your brain. Mm. And advertising is everywhere. It's everywhere we go. If you, if you ever go through Vegas and <laughs> you see those neon lights, they're just everywhere. And, you know... We're subjected to so much advertising and people putting their thoughts into our brain. And you're right, we're, we're not having our own thoughts. We're letting, people, we're letting people put their thoughts and what they want us to think into our brain. It's horrible. And, and again, you know, 
learnt, trying to teach myself is not to not to identify with my mind. Mm. I am. I am. There is no I in you. Mm. <laughs> so, wh who am I? Mm. And since I've taken up Zen, I'm really giving myself the permission that I have no. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not obliged to be the same person I was five minutes ago. Mm. I don't have to identify with what others see me as. And I think a, a human trait is people perceive you, oh, there's Dave, the real estate agent. Mm. So then you, you know you're a real estate agent. Next thing you know, you're, you're acting in a way that others are perceiving you. Mm. It's, is that really you? Mm. No, that's only one aspect of what you do throughout the day, but that's not you. Mm. So it, it's. I don't, I don't know if anyone really knows who you are because everyone only. Most people that you meet, mates, people you work with, only know aspects of you in that particular environment. They don't know, or they. Someone might have met you when you're stressed, and everyone acts a certain way when you're stressed. Someone might have met you when you're partying, and you're partying. Someone might have met you hmm. when you were in love, and you're acting a certain way. Someone might have met you when you were going through a divorce, and, and you're saying, <laughs> we've all been there. Um, or, or they might have met you in martial arts. And, and they ha you're right, people have this perception of you based on their very limited interaction with you in a very limited way. And at the end of the day, people's perception is their reality. Yes. And suddenly their reality becomes, oh yeah, I know what Maddie's like because um, you know I've seen him out three or four times now and he's been like that every time. It's like, well, fuck no. That's, you've seen me 1% of my whole, everything that I'm made of. Mm -hmm. Even I don't know what I'm really that's about. Right. That's right. And that's why I don't want to identify with my mind. It's not, I don't know who I am and, and now I'm not confused like, oh, I'm so lost. No, it's the total opposite. I don't know who I am and I really enjoy that aspect because now it's an adventure. What's going to come this afternoon? Mm. I mean, here I am now sitting on your exquisite balcony overlooking <laughs> the lakeside. I mean, we're in heaven right now. We are, yeah. And this morning I was in a gymnasium. Prior to that I was in a garden. This afternoon, who knows? Could be in a coma. Coma. <laughs> I was going to say dancing girls, hopefully, but, you know, coma if it, if it has to be. And, a food coma. And, and, oh, I, like, I like food comas. I do too. Oh, I haven't had one of those for a long time. Might Actually, yeah, last time we went out, we went for dinner at, uh, a couple of years ago, you and I went for dinner at... That's the, right, where do we go? Was it the, the Asian, up the top of Byron there? Yes. I can't remember the name of it, but yes. Probably changed hands now, knowing Byron Bay shops. Oh, the um, Japanese kitchen, was that where no, we... No, 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 that's down there, but we were up the top on the left. Top on the left is now, you're confusing me. Oh, yes, yes. What's it called? What's it called? Oh, the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. One of, one of the things with, you know, advancing in age, my, my memory is, my memory is really bad, hey. My short-term memory, no, my long-term memory as well. Both of them are pretty bad. My son reminds me of stuff that I just for, totally forgotten. He goes, Dad. I go, oh, dude. Yeah. Again, Dave, I mean, I don't, really we, we, I don't think our brains are supposed to remember everybody thing. Unless it's something really important or it's beneficial to our health or safety, I think it's pretty much to be dismissed. I think 80% of the stuff in life is trivial, so we don't need to remember it. Well, if you're meant to be living in the present, which is what Eckhart Tolle talks about, which is what a lot of the, you know, the, the Buddhist masters talk about, 
If you're meant to be living in the present, we really shouldn't give a shit about what happened half an hour ago. That's right. And we shouldn't be giving a shit about what's going to happen in an hour's time. So we shouldn't be looking back on stuff. We shouldn't be going through old photos um, because it just creates emotions that weren't there half an hour ago. Mm -hmm. Like you can look at an old photo of someone and suddenly you you could be happy and suddenly look at an old photo of your mum that died 10 years ago and suddenly you're crying. Mm. It's like you've just made yourself upset. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've got to sort of wonder where the value is on... I I actually... We we spoke about psychologists a second ago. I know I'm... Pardon me, sometimes I jump off track and and I sort of veer courses that's just the way my brain works well, that's the old age again in the yeah. short-term memory <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like to digress um we talk about psychologists and i know when i was going through some therapy with my abuse mm-hmm. they like to make you relive it and and i don't know if they i think they call it regression therapy or whatever they call it so basically you go back and you're trying to remember those times and and i think that's a load of crap because if you go back and constantly relive that and remember that and you're just putting yourself back into that state. I've tried to really now with my stuff, just go, fuck it happened, accept it. Look, and in a band-aid, in a band-aid short-term scenario, okay, if you're stuck and you can't get past that mindset, okay, maybe a psychologist is good for the aspect of, they can now give you a few different avenues to break that mindset and possibly look at another option. Mm. But in a long-term effect, I mean, some psychologists are nothing more than glorified art students, mate. Mm. You might, you, you, that's why you've got to shop around. You'll find that good one. Mm. And they, you won't feel like you're being actually uh, dictated to just relive and bring up the how, does, how does it make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> how does it make you feel? It's, it's so cliche, isn't and it? So, and when you did that, what, what emotions were you going through? Yeah, and I, I think the, the one I've been using over through my leg and whatnot, we don't go into that aspect. Mm. It, it's quite, he almost used trick psychology on me. So okay. he'll, he'll throw something totally curveball at it somewhere different and that almost kicks off the conversation. Mm. And maybe he'll read maybe um, whether I'm happy, sad, snarling, mm. spitting, yep. and perhaps then he can get an idea of where he feels my headspace is in at that time of life, but he's not actually trying to make me go through anything, you know? So when, when you got told about the leg that had to come off, mm-hmm. how much later was it? So t- t- sort of walk me through the process after that. Okay, so from that day, I faced another 68 days of facing my leg. So I, st- I had to ask. So for two and a half months or so, you're going through the thought of there was high any, potential of having the leg cut any off. Any day, any yep. day now. And the problem is with surgeons aren't like GPs. They don't really have any tact. Mm. To me, they're like the panel beater. You want your door fixed? Mm. There you go, we fixed it. Mm. Now take your car off somewhere else. They'll detail <laughs> it. We only fix the doors. Surgeons are very blunt. Yeah. They kick your door in 6 a.m. every morning. You've got 10 blokes standing, or 10 people standing at the end of your bed in white coats, talking about you, not to you. Mm. Yeah, if we cut it off here, we cut it that way, and we'll do it this way. Yeah, well, mm. there's a new method they do in Germany, we'll do it that way. Excuse me, guys, I'm here. Mm. And then they just sort of stare at you, okay, we'll be back tomorrow. And as they go to walk out the door, I'd ask them every day, are you going to take my leg today? They'd say, not today. And they just close the door. So for pretty much 68 days, <laughs> I had to live on that, not today. So you, you, were you 
working with a psychologist during that time or no? Only when it shit got really hard. Okay. And I started having moments where I wasn't very coping very they'd say, Look, we'd like to send one in. Mm. Are you happy with that? And I'd say, By all means. Mm. And they'd normally just prop you up and say, you know, due to what you're facing, you you're entitled to feel these feelings, you know. Mm. So um it was pretty heavy getting that not today, not today. And on my third major operation, I remember grabbing the guy's hand as they were about to wheel me through theatre. And in tears, I just sort of pleaded with him, don't take me leg. And he goes, we can't. I said, why is that? And he goes, because you have to sign the form. We don't just take limbs. You have to agree to it. Mm. And you have to sign the form. And we haven't given you the form or the chat yet, so you're What happens okay. if you're unconscious? Uh, you mean in a coma? Yeah, what happens if you're in a coma? And they couldn't get, and you're in a country like um, like Thailand or you know overseas. You had no kin there. They couldn't get a hold of any kin. I wonder what they'd do. Very interesting. Whether they let you go, I suppose. Ooh, carefully you say this, Matthew. That'd come down to your socioeconomic status. <laughs> okay. So if you if you're a bit of a low blower and you don't really do much, I suppose they'd just go fuck ya. Yeah. If you're um head honcho and you own 30 pubs and you get around like you're all that, maybe you're first into the private hospital and they work on you. Mm. Maybe it comes down to your financial status in that, in that last minute decision. Mm. I just recently watched on Australian Story about the gentleman, there's been a lot of episodes on the, how poor the state of hospitals, especially in New South Wales. One was called Bad Medicine and I actually watched it while I was in hospital and a guy had a swollen knee and they knocked him back at hospital here in New South two times. And on the third time he went and he died that night of sepsis, he was developing neck feck inside the kneecap. And uh, what, did they say why they knocked him back? They just kept saying, you got a swollen knee, go home. They didn't really want to actually go through and test. Take a couple of aspirins and come in the That's morning. what they were doing. Yeah. And then I watched on Australian Story the other week um, about the Sepsis Foundation Australia. And over a thousand people got sepsis in Australia last year. And this gentleman came with a sore throat, got knocked back, came again with a sore throat, dropped, eight months in a coma, full sepsis. The only way they could save his life, they removed both of his arms and legs. This is three weeks ago on Australian Story. Get out. Yeah. Uh, I watched on Becoming Superhuman on SBS probably three and a half weeks ago the big time scientist talking about antibiotics around the world and he said we're at a phase now around the planet that in australia now you can pretty much cut your finger and you could be dead within three days from infection and that was on becoming superhuman the other night so it's i'd never heard of it till it happened to me but now i've heard of it everywhere mm. my nurse even had it in hospital griffith hospital she come and showed me they're going to remove the bottom half of her leg Instead, they debrided the back of her leg and mm. skin grafted it. And that was from a mosquito bite and her leather boot rubbing on the mosquito bite. Mm. She was on Durambar Beach watching the surf comp and she went tachycardia and dropped and they had to rush her to ICU. Wow. And that's from a mosquito bite and a leather boot rubbing on it. So I'd never heard of it, but now it seems as uh, common as... It's a more common thing, yeah. Yep. Well, I suppose that, you know, bugs... Bugs travel in a crazy way, and as we have more integration from overseas and people travelling to and from overseas, and as we have more I, and more again, but but it's what the scientists told me in no uncertain terms. It's not about overseas; it's not okay. location because it comes from the human stomach. So one in three worldwide is okay, dripping so in it. 
Okay, so then why, if it's becoming, and treatment like my two-year-old, but why is it becoming more prevalent? Uh, whether our foods, our soils are not as strong in quality as they used to be, but there's got to be external is it, factors. Is it, is it our immune system? Yeah, our this, immune the, yeah this is what I'm sort of hinting at. I think it's the external factors, Dave, now um, in a modern society that have lowered our, uh, you know, our food's terrible, our soils are terrible, everything's mm. poisoned, everything's fertilised. It's pretty hard to get a, anything on this planet now that's 100% mm. original. Uh, I think that's got a huge factor. And then you look at these COVID idiots and mm. now they're wearing masks and... They're just lowering their immune systems further and further well, that's, and that's, further. That's one thing that's really annoyed me so much. With And even now, like how long have we been doing this COVID thing now for? Nearly, <laughs> nearly 12 months, right? And they still do not talk about boosting your immune, immune system. No one, there is no one. There's no, there's nothing really out there about, hey, let's build up your immunity. Let's get out there. This is what you need to do. Every, we've all got to get mandatory vaxxed. Put a mask on and get a chemical. Yeah. And yet no one's saying that vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C. Bleach. Ask Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> some bleach. Just drink some bleach. You'll be okay. I, I know. It's astounding that the <coughs> World Health Organization aren't preaching health. Mm. You know. They're preaching Band-Aid solution. So obviously there's an agenda and I don't really want to discuss it. No, we won't. You know? There's people there that don't believe it. And no, people but do, whatever. But, but, but look, obviously I think agenda. we can all agree that boosting your immune system is beneficial, whether you want to stop septus, whether you want to stop a cold and flu, whether you want to help prevent yourself getting COVID, whether you want to stop yourself getting, you know, any sort of, any sort of um, virus that may attack the immune system boost your immune system. And there's so many ways to do it, and it's not like it's out of reach. Yes, there are some really good quality food is harder and harder to come by, but it's not impossible. You mm. just gotta not be lazy. Yes, that's right. Don't be lazy. Yeah. You know, drink more water, drink drink less Coca-Cola, drink more water. The interesting about drinking the water, because I've always thought that, unless I've had a big nights drinking beers with friends out and about, Normally, I'm quite, I believe I'm very hydrated. And going through this episode, all I ever get told, you're so dehydrated, you're so dehydrated. Water. Am I really? And now I've got another bag of saline in a bag because I had a permanent antibiotic, permanent saline, and I had six blood transfusions. So I was the walking pincushion for 70 days. And I got out of hospital and I'd lost all my equilibrium. So I kept passing out unexplainably for a week when mm. I first got out of hospital. We don't know if that's from laying down for 70 days and then finally stand up. Do you have any bed sores? No, because they move you and they do appropriate things. Okay. Yep. And I, I was put on a special do mattress. They, do they do any inappropriate things that help you get through those 70 days? <laughs> anyway, that's What goes story. on in Griffith Hospital stays <laughs> in Griffith Hospital, Dave. <laughs> I was flogging heaps of Camagra gels to the boys when they visited me. And one of the nurses says, what are you doing now? And I said, hey, well, why don't you take a couple home? And that's another story. <laughs> you got to keep it interesting. So mate. what happened? You reckon it might be lack of um, dehydration that causes the equilibrium mess that, up? They're still looking into that now. I was at, makes only, sense. only at Choppies the other day and about fluid. And now I've lost so much lymphatic vascular off this leg now mm. too. Fluid movement, etc. cetera. Mm. But so I, I passed out again about 15 times in four days when I got out of hospital. Unexplained. I'd be talking to you right now. Next thing I'm on the ground 
and I fell over. It was the first night I went out to socialise and my friend drove me down the street and a few friends were there to meet me and they actually brought me a beer. I, I think I had an inch out of that beer. And next thing you know, I'm waking up on the ground, split the side of my eye open, what's happened? And they said, due to you, because you passed out on our premises, we've already rung the hospital. Ambos, the Ambos came and I said, really, I've just not, done 70 days. Again. I don't want to go back <laughs> in the hospital. And I spent another five days in hospital. And the first thing they did was, my God, look how dehydrated you are. Wow. And I was like, I've been at home drinking water and eating your stupid tablets. Yeah. What have I done wrong? So I, I don't understand what level of hydration is adequate within the medical fraternity, Dave, but mm. I pretty much drink water three litres a day now. Well, just so people understand, you can check out the colour of your urine and it should be pretty much clear. Clear um, or a light, a nice light clear yellow. You don't want it going to that Coca-Cola phase. You don't want it going to the brown phase and it starts getting thick, <laughs> then you know you're in trouble. But um, it should really be quite clear. But um, you can also drink a lot of water and not hydrate properly if That's you haven't right. got... You lose your cell salts. Yeah, your sodium, you magnesium, salts, your yeah. potassiums leach yeah. from your brain yeah. and you can overhydrate so you've got too much fluid in your brain. Your brain becomes sloshy yeah. and it won't act. And you actually die. Yes. So guys in Kokoda. Yep. I was just going to say that the Kokoda trail has been lots and of And the olden day ecstasy people at the raves. Mm, that's they right. They weren't so much yeah. overdosing from the ecstasy tablet. They were drinking too much water. Overhydrating. Mm. Well, not even hydrating. They, they weren't hydrating Washing the cell because, salts out yeah, of the brain. Yeah. So that's why now, like in Dura. Mm. Uh, you that know. happened, apparently, like you mentioned, Kokoda, happened quite a lot because mm. people are just sweating, losing all their cell salts, and then just going, I'm just drinking water, drinking water, drinking water, and the body's not actually hydrating properly no, at all. the brain dries up. Mm. Yes, so. Get that old Gatorade into you. No. <laughs> Yuck. Those, those brands, I actually did an assignment on those, doing, doing my Cert 4, and uh, Australian water actually has more trace elements than that RAIDs. And Australian RAID, the power, yeah. we're the only c country in the world that uses Red 122, barred from the States 20 years, barred from Europe 40 years. Yeah, the Red known one's carcinogenic. The red and one's in Australia, the they'll hand power RAID to the AFL guys. <laughs> you yeah. just go, what? So our water's got more trace elements. The companies will argue that people grow tired of the taste of water. That's after I researched everything, that's all they had. Stick a fucking lemon in it. That's all they had to argue with at the end of the point, right? So that, that stuff's terrible. I use a particular brand. You just get it from a chemist. No artificial colorings, flavors, no sweeteners whatsoever. Artificial sweeteners like your sucralosas, your, your byproducts from your fly sprays, your Spartans. I, um, usually, I usually just make my own. Yeah. I, make, I get rock salt, mm -hmm. I get lemon, just go stick a bunch of that in it. Boom, there's your own electrolyte drink. Yeah, I've got magnesium, sodium, potassium. I have one of those a day. If you're going to take rock salt, Dave, take iodized rock salt mm. and, and boost your iodine and get your thyroid really happening as well while you're at it. Okay. So if you're going to use salt, use iodized I'll get, salt. I've got to check if mine's, mine's Himalayan. But is it iodine? But is it iodized? <laughs> I've got to check that out. Mm. I, can't, I still can't believe that people are, um, you know, having just that normal table salt stuff. <sighs> I can't believe that it's still out there. No. There's so much there's so much crap out there that people know are crap, and we go back to boost, boosting the immune system and all that sort of stuff. And there's so much shit as far as food, and I, I, I'm doing that in air inverted commas right now, um, that people are allowed to sell and people just constantly drink and eat 
and then they wonder why they get sick, why their immune system's down, why they're always getting a sore throat. Dave, it's always the fat person that's got the Diet Coke, mate. It's not blokes like us that are 50 and got six packets. You don't see us drinking Diet Coke. No. It's always the fat people that wear Lycra and drink Diet drinks. Yeah? Mm. Go figure. It's a trap. And they don't know any better. Mm. And an it's interesting that fact... It's that bloody advertising. It is. And, and the interesting fact is that people won't, won't realise that the same time nicotine was released on humanity, exactly the same time sugar was released on humanity. They didn't just dump one, they double whammied us from mm. one end to the other. Look how many people got addicted to sugar. Mm. Look how many people need that sugar. I was one of those fucking out of control little kids that drove his mum insane because I put chocolate topping on my bloody cornflakes. Mm. I put five teaspoons of fucking sugar <laughs> into my Milo. Yeah. I was one of those little kids. But how good was it though? Oh, it was good. Stack it up with Milo and a bit of malt. But we were active milk. kids. We didn't sit around on devices. Yeah, no, we, we were on our BMX surfboards at like motorbikes at friggin' daylight yeah. and we didn't come home till we were ordered home. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't come home till it was like dark and you go, oh shit, at least we're burning it. But yeah, I don't go near sugar. I found, I got rid of that shit out of my life years ago. You know, it's the best thing. You know what I, I used to, um, as, as a, I mean, we ate so much bad shit as a kid as well, you know, but you, you're right, we were a lot more active. We, we, we spent time outdoors. Uh, one of my favourite desserts, well, afternoon desserts as, as a kid, the old Granny Smith apples. Remember, they're big, they're massive. Those Granny Smith apples, they stick two hands, wrap, you know, wrap a big double fist around. That's the size of the Granny Smith apples we used to eat. I used to get that, a knife, because I, I used to cut it with a knife, and I had a bowl of white sugar. And so, <laughs> and so, so what I would do is just slice off a bit of apple, dump it in the sugar, bite it, and that wasn't dumped it in again, bite it. So double dipping just the whole time. Boom. A bowl of sugar. Like You're a double dipper. You're not coming to my parties, mate. <laughs> but that's, I remember I used to like, that was one of my favourite things to eat all the time. Mm. Imagine if you saw your kid doing that now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, for, for a start, I'd want to know where the apple was grown first. I'd yeah. just say, that apple's poisonous, boy. <laughs> it's not an apple a day keeps the doctor away in this day and age. Uh, yeah, sugar's a... Um, it's probably a 5G apple. It's, it's <laughs> funny how the, the body craves the sugar, though. It does, and that's the addiction. Yeah. And unfortunately, I've got a neighbour, I've watched him walk past, physically not well. Yeah. He's only young, yeah. but he's pale, anemic. Not a muscle no, on him, no, no muscle D, tone, no, no nothing. And I watch him at 6am crack his first oversized mother can. Mm. Or That's the worst I shouldn't stuff, drop names, things. but high energy, whatever you call those energy yeah, drinks. Touring yeah, thingy drinks. Cafe. But the smell is even made addictive. Oh, See, yeah, it smells if great. If you're a tradesman and you go and get in the car with your boss and he stops first thing at the service and gets his eight pack of Red Bull yeah. and the first thing he does is crack it and that smell goes through the car and the people who don't drink it just go, oh, and they oh, great, here's, ah, guzzle, guzzle. It's so addictive. Yeah, the smell's addictive. So he, everything about it. Yeah. The labelling, the colours yeah. of the flashy yeah. cans. Here's the, the red thing. again. Nice and red. Mate, so he has one, six, one, eight, one. If he doesn't drink six of those a day, and I had to politely pull him up the other week and go, mate, look, I'm not having a go at you. I just, just an observational, but you're drinking possibly three to four litres a day. I said, how much sugar's in that? And he goes, 43 grams. I said, right, get me a cup. Sugar satchels are two grams. So why don't you um, 
put 22 of those into your cup for me. He goes, mm. huh? And I said, if you can't get your head around it, tear it, empty the sugar in your cup. Would you put hot water in that and drink it? He goes, no way. I said, you've drunk five or six of those today, mm. mate. And then I went out and gave him one little scoop of the Musashi pre-workout at 6 a.m. and said, see how you go. And he came back after the full day and said, I've had energy all day, I haven't touched one. Mm. And I said, well, look, these little um, 26 gram carb things, you see the triathletes and the Tour de France guys, why don't you have one of those and a small pre-workout? I said, you're covered. And lo and behold, next day he's walking past 6 a.m., mm. mother in his hand. So he's not, they're not, he's because, not gonna snap out of it. Because it's, it's not, because they're not thinking I'm doing it for energy. They're already wrapped up in a bad physical and mental habit of doing it. It's the same as smoking, you know. People who try and quit smoking still, still have to keep their fingers busy. They need to keep their fingers busy because he needs to. He likes the physical habit. He, he's hooked on the smell. He's hooked on busting open that can. The whole it's the whole it's ritual. Yeah, it's the whole ritual. That's Dave. it. It's a ritual. It's a it's a whole ritual yep. around consuming that they enjoy and they don't even realise it's happening on the subliminal level. And it has what, what's known as the law of negative return. So does caffeine, unfortunately, mm. and so does when people start taking stimulus drugs, mm. amphetamine and whatnot. Law of negative return, you're starting off neutral, you're going up 20%, great. You're peaking, but you drop 30%. Mm. You're now minus, you're negative 10%. Mm. So you have to have your next hit to go up. You get up 20, but you're only 10 up. Now you come down, you're minus 20. So after three or four coffees, you see these office workers, they get to lunchtime, one o'clock, and they go crash. Mm. And they just hit the, hit the wall so hard because they've now gone into the law of negative return mm. and there's no coming back from that unless you keep repeating the process. Mm. So then they'll have to have their sugar donut and their big coffee in the Arvo just to get them through. Mm. And then they'll probably go and drink alcohol to come down, mm. which is full of sugar again. And you wonder why that, that ritual becomes a cycle of they're permanently behind the eight ball. Yeah. They're only getting little bursts of energy out of that. Mm. It's sad, but you know, they have to straighten up for six weeks and then start creating energy through exercise and diet. Well, for, for me, it's all about forming better habits. And this is, you know, part of training as much as it is part of eating and consuming. What is that little thing you just, just threw down your gullet? Nicorette. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is it stopping smoking? No, I don't actually smoke. Right. So what's it do? It just gives you a little burst of nicotine. Yeah. Ah. See, uh, I probably I originally got onto this stuff years ago because I was a shop butcher and we punch out 15 hour days and you don't design your breaks in a food industry because mm. all you guys want to come on your breaks. Mm. That's normally when our breaks, mm. now we're flat out serving you. We miss our break. It's mm. that horrible world where you, you eat shit food on the go you pump yourself up full of coffee. <laughs> you keep going, going, going to yep. get through. And butchers, you, in the old days, you'd have a cigarette. For me, it would kill my appetite. So if I had a cigarette, I wouldn't feel hungry. Then I wouldn't have the grumbling tummy and feel shit because mm. I need to eat. Yeah, it's, a, it's an appetite suppressor. Yeah, so I, I kind of use cigarettes in a weird way to get through work. Mm. And then you, you, don't, you don't smoke cigarettes now? No, do no, I don't. Yeah. I hate cigarettes. Well, then, then use a little bit with pot and through... um non-essential travel and no one's allowed to leave the house well mm. i was definitely not getting on the free home delivery of all the alcohol you can drink good on mm. you australian government mm. so I look after the people so I, hence i got a big bag of weed mate if i was going to stay at home and sit on the couch and not be allowed to leave my house 
well, I'm going to get Cosmic and listen to tunes and train at home and <laughs> do my own thing. So hence now we you come out of COVID and you say, well, time to put the pot away. And uh, I still occasionally feel the need to puff if I have a little square to this. It well, just... there's actually been, and I haven't listened to a lot of it, but I've listened to a few podcasts where they talk about nicotine. They actually talk about there's, there are some very good benefits to nicotine. I can't remember it all because my short-term memory is really bad, mm. as we've realised. Maybe as a vasodilator and maybe it can increase stroke volume and increase a little bit of heart rate. I think it might also have something to do with mem <laughs> there we go, memory function or brain activity. Well, that would be vasodilation, okay. so therefore you're opening up your cerebral cerebrals mm -hmm. and therefore you know your cerebral cortex. So I know there's that with the caffeine. So that now because you're vasodilated, you're getting more blood flow, more blood flow, your brain would be sharper, it would mm. be duller. Mm. That's my aspect. I'm not trained medically, but that'd yep. be my short-term I'm, I'm not a doctor, but I'm happy to have a look at it for you. <laughs> that was your pickup line back in the, in the day, wasn't it? <laughs> about just about these little little habits and, and, and forming these little habits, especially with diet and, and people getting into bad habits, like you're saying, your, your neighbour that, you know, every morning he's doing his thing. It just becomes this this habit of waking up. You're walking to work. You crack you crack your first you know energy drink, and that's just what you do. Mm. It's easy to fall into that, you know. It's also easy to fall into good habits as well. Yeah. You've just got to you've just for the first little bit you've got to make it that habit. The hard work is just going. Okay, I'm going to do that, but then it becomes a habit, just like a bad habit, and then it creates the good things. And I think, I just want to have more people doing that sort of shit. I think the saying is, it takes three seconds to decide, three minutes to actually create, and 21 days to actually lock it in. Mm. So if you choose to do something bad, it only takes three seconds to make the decision. It takes three minutes of doing the bad to get into your brain, and it takes 21 days of repeating that process to create a bad habit. Mm. Same, same. So then they, 21 days you'll have to go through to knock the bad habit. Same goes with the good habit. You're faced with a choice, aren't you? So it only takes three seconds to make a good decision. Be active within that for three minutes and, and embrace it. And if you can keep it up for more than 21 days, it will become a part of your life. Mm. And it's just, it's, people think it's a lot harder to change they become so comfortable in the safety net, Dave, of what they're already doing in life mm. and they're familiar with the known, even if it's not good for them, at least they're comfortable and they're aware of it. Mm. To, to now change everything that they do, that's an unknown to them and therefore there's that element of security is going to go, isn't it? Yep. And I, I've touched base on this before that humans only make decisions out of love or out of fear and unfortunately most of us make it out of fear. Mm. So that decisions now they're trying to make is now based on a fear process, fearing the unknown. If you could fast forward 12 months from now and put them into that, how we feel mm. on a daily basis, clear and happy, mm. it'd be great, but you, you can't just put them into that. They have to go through that unnecessary turbulence in the in-between. And you know, that's daunting on for a lot of people. Mm. And a lot of people haven't faced things like their leg melting and. You know, for some people, their biggest problem's been this, mm. whatever that might be, you know, yep. marital yep. breakdown or financial despair or whatever. And there's other people that have been through just the most horrendous lives and they're still quite happy and got great attitudes, though. It's, 
embracing that process, again, the, the ancient samurai picture, you're going to wrestle that demon. So when, do you want to prolong it till you, or do you want to get it over with now? I'd rather grab old, yeah, just fight punch the, on with the demon now. Fight the demon right and now, man. Get it out of the way so I yeah. can at least have a good afternoon. Yeah, yeah. And tell me, with your, your leg, obviously it's, I mean, I, I remember seeing it, and you're going to show it to me now, aren't you? Jesus. <laughs> 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 That's uh, nothing. You want to see the photos when it was down and man, out? I, I like I saw it earlier. Video? I mean, it's 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 cross between fucking. I've said it to you the other day. Freddy Krueger and you know fucking a, a raw bit of steak just being fucking chopped open. It's like that is. It's so full on, man. It looks like a white pointer that had an IED explosive device in him, and I <sighs> ran him over. <laughs> pull, pull pull your leg back up again. I got to say that again. Just now, don't drop your pants. Just pull your. It's not that sort of party, man. Oh, maybe later, eh? Yeah. When the lights go down. <laughs> Look I can't get it past there, but it's, that's all right. uh, it's up to there on my thigh as well. Man, it's that is just... The side of my that's thigh. some... Si literally, your whole... And they went down there wow. in between the bone. It's, it's, it's like you've been bitten by a shark and it's just like left this full-on scarring. Wow, it's just crazy. It's amazing, but... Strong as, strong hey? Strong as. So did you have any grafting or yes. anything? Yeah, after my third debridement, they took all the skin off my right thigh. Yep. And glued it on there and said, do your best. And that was one of my fears, Dave. I, I was you really, obviously, you, you obviously really haven't been putting vitamin E all into that, have you? Every day. Do you? Every day. Because wow. I don't have a lymphatic system, so it doesn't, okay. make, doesn't make its own oils or fats. What do you mean you don't have a lymphatic system? All that, all that came off, so all the vascular lymphatic system came off with it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I do have to, after I wash, I always put a Gotta whack good, the oil on it. good coat of it. Yeah. yeah. And how is it functioning now? Because it, for a while there, it was obviously, the skin would have been very... The sk I was horrendous. I had three two and a half months of wound care. That, mm. was, that was horrible because... Because I, re I remember seeing you, yeah, just after you had it done and you had, what did you have over it? You had some sort layers. of... layers. Yeah, you yeah, had all, all this... this all this um, technical stuff, Coban and yeah. all these medical names for just different materials yeah. and, and whatnot. And that was meant to promote the healing and yeah. keep it safe. And, and also it's got to flatten it and allow the skin oh, to... Oh, yes. And, and most of my fear, and this is why I was crying when the, the psych came in that day, mm. is maybe for at least 20 times I went to the wound clinic, she'd unwrap it. Oh, did the skin rip off with it? No. Oh, thank and God. they had to burn me. They'd pull out this chemical this chemical silver and they dip it and they burn my scars because they say if we don't it'll ridge and it'll be far worse for you in the long run if we do this now it won't ridge and create a it'll flow again so they actually would burn me <laughs> like what like, like with what no they dip it in this chemical a wooden skewer mm. it's like a silver and i didn't think anything of it and one mm. day she dropped it on a rubber glove through to her hand and i've never seen her move so quickly and wash her hand and yet she'd sit there and dab all my wounds but was your wound pretty, was it numb? Were you, no, did you have it any was feeling? raw and open. So you could feel it all? Oh, yeah, definitely. But yeah. my fear was, uh, what if my body rejects it? And the so every grass. time she'd open it, I was yeah. just waiting for her to go, mm. sorry, mate, you're going to have to go back and have it all pulled off again. Ugh. And they did say to me at the hospital, oh, there's plenty more skin on your back if we need any more. So here I am waiting for the rejection call. And she'd unwrap it and I'd automatically start sobbing. And she'd go, what's wrong? Are you all right? And I'd go, yeah, I'm fine. You just keep going. It's my own headspace. Yeah, I'm projecting. And I'm projecting. She'd be, and she'd be like, wow, it looks so good. And I'd be like, really? 
because I'm looking at this thing, just looks like a shark chewed it. And she'll be going, she's a wound care nurse of 30 years. Mm. So she's seeing the big picture. Yeah. And I'm only seeing what I'm looking at. Because that video of my leg, I don't know if you any of the boys ever yes, showed you that at the gym. Yeah, yeah, you showed it to me. That was the day they let me out of hospital. Mm. They unwrapped it and said, wow, good job, you can go home. And if you've ever been evicted from an Australian hospital, they literally send the bouncers in and within three minutes you're out. Mm. They don't say, oh, you can hang around for a few hours. No, no, <laughs> when they say you're out, go. Yeah, please leave. We haven't, you're someone bounced. else You're yeah. literally bounced. And I'm looking at that, that's why I videoed it. This looks good. Are you fucking serious? And I've got to go home like this? Mm. But fast forward four and a half months, and here I am with Rambar Somdet, MC Songkram, Lumpini, Max Muay Thai champion. I've got Takihiro Ishii over from Japan, world MMA wrestling champion. And, and he's my sparring partner. You're training like a beast now. Three and a half hours a day within four and a half months. Mm. So I proved the whole medical world wrong. Mm. You're a medical anomaly. <laughs> How's the other leg where you had it taken off? Yeah. Because that must leave a massive scalp. Because if they're ripping the skin off from that, again, you're going to pull your pants down again, aren't I'm you? I'm going to pull them down. Jesus. I can't help it. Look where we are. I'm glad we're not videoing. Look where we are. I know. In, in my a neighbours. Utopian yard like this. It's my neighbours going to go, another naked Someone's got to do deck. a nudie run. So from there. That's okay, but that's healed pretty good. Yeah, and they started right there. They didn't miss a trick. They literally yeah. on there. And they're like, heals amazing because technology now, they get it down to 16.2 of a millimetre. It's thinner than a tally-ho. In the olden days, they took what they called a full thickness. Yeah, because that's, that's... And I they mean, didn't because, really heal so, that well. So and they never developed mind, heal, They never developed um, feeling or anything like that. Yeah. In now, my mind, when you told me you just had a skin graft, I'm thinking, okay, they've just taken a big chunk there to put it over there. So now you're going to have all no, they shaved up leg over they here. They shave it. I, okay. I looked it up. You can even buy them on eBay in the little beautiful box and everything. <laughs> what? Bits of skin? The skin graft knife. Oh, the skin Yeah, I looked them up on eBay. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's amazing how they can just shave the, the finest bit. But that was my, my fear. But when I realised it was healing and I was, kept getting good results, then mm. I realised, well, hey, now the ball's in my court. You can go for it. And like I said, I refused the painkillers. They wanted me on Oxycontin and Trammel. No, you don't want to take that shit. Pregabalin pre and Lyrica. It's four of the most addictive pharmaceuticals mm. on the planet. All the opioids. And I, I see people in the pubs around Australia burnt down and out guys that have either hurt their backs or whatever and they're just and miserable yep. alcoholics and they're selling their pharmaceuticals too on the slide. Yeah. I don't want to be that person. Mm. So I threw the, the tablets in the bin and it was excruciating. For one month I laid there, 23 hours a day, my leg in the air. No one fucking visited me or seen if I needed anything from the shops. Just lay there and cry. Mm. Again, just said to someone, can you get me some just big bag of cannabis? And I just helped my pain and my mental stress with that. But once the months had sort of worn off, I made myself get up. Mm. And I couldn't really walk, Dave, but I had a push bike and- But I, I, bet you, I bet you, you wanted to train again, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, see this is the thing. You, you've, how long have you been training martial arts for? <sighs> my dad was teaching me judo before I was how seven you, years old. What are you, age. 48? Yep. So 48, so nearly 40 years. You know, you've been training martial arts. On and off. On in, and off. But in, in between keep, girls keep, and bad lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. but keeping keep active. Yes. And I, I, I believe that's a big factor in people healing from stuff. If you have an active lifestyle and you like training, you're going to come back from something a lot stronger because 
you know what you did and you know what you're capable and you want to do that again. Yes. Or at least get close to that again. You know? you know, my biggest fear was not, I'll never train, I'll never ride motorcycles because I could buy a trike at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll never surf. That didn't really enter my head. For me, I'll never dance again. I'll never dance again. Don't go all Guilty George Michael. See what happened? I, I took my pants off and now yeah. listen to the guy. <laughs> <laughs> One nerdy run and listen to him. Go, George Michael up, David. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah. What do you mean dance again? Well, you can't I'm dance, an old can you? fuck off. I'm an old raver, man. <laughs> I, I, I suppose ages, you just took your pants off. I can imagine you're on a podium. Going to go, uh, yeah, Marty Grash would yeah. see me bounce. Boom, boom, Woo, dun, sequence, dun, break dun, out dun. the sequence. Yeah, I, I thought, fuck, if I could never be at a rave with just gorgeous chicks shuffling and busting out and Carl Cox ripping the decks, I'm, I'll never be the same. Like, the rest didn't enter my head. Wow, so you didn't think about martial arts. You thought about dancing again yep. at a rave. Okay. Not necessarily a <laughs> rave, but a funky dance venue yeah. that was pumping, maybe Insomnia Walking Street or something. Yeah. But yes, that was a big, big motivator for me, man. Wow. I've always loved music. I've always loved dancing. Dancing is an expression of freedom. Mm. It has no rules. You just be yourself. Exactly, I yeah. often say to people in the gym, if you can't dance, you can't fight. And they go, mm. what? And I go, have a look at your, your lead legs. You're flat-footed. There's also the saying, if you can't dance, you, ca you can't fuck either. Oh, well, there the, you go. I, I remember... There used to be a thing where you used to, I think women used to, and forgive me if I'm wrong, ladies, but they used to judge how good a man was at being, you know, a lover by how well he could dance. How virile. Mm. And I think with women too, they, they like a man whose confidence is so good that he can laugh at himself and he doesn't care if he fucks up. Mm. Right? And if, if a bloke's out there, he's got that much confidence, he's tearing up the floor and he doesn't care who's watching at him or what the other blokes think. The women are looking at him going, this bloke's... He's confident within himself because he doesn't care if people are laughing at him. Mm. He'll laugh at himself, and I think women admire that. Mm. So that's, I think that's what they're seeing out of us dancing. Not necessarily, wow, did you see that left foot shimmy? I bet you he could do that on the edge of the fucking <laughs> twister square when we're covered in oil. No. <laughs> <laughs> twister, there's this. Oh, I didn't mind a game of twister with a bit of oil, Dave. <laughs> I don't, I, can't, I don't know if I ever played Twister. Well, you will now. Will. Even I'm if you don't have the mat, just put some, <laughs> get some glow paint and just put a dozen fucking things on. I was going to draw my own squares up. <laughs> <laughs> new, new Twister with a little bit of oil. So tell me, the, the leg now, what, mm. if, you know, out of 100%, what do, you, what do you rate it? 99. Yeah. Because just this little aspect here is what we call the hematoma, and it's got nowhere to flow. Yeah. And if I really have a bad, a so what's that inside your inside your ankle? Yep. Yeah. If it, if I really have a uh, heavy day, it, it can inflame and get quite purple. When you say heavy day, what do you oh, mean? busy, busy on my feet, on my feet, gravitational yeah. pull. Um, Should you be? You I, know how I, you can get compression socks I do. and stuff like I that. I just buy the meter-long compression stuff now at the chemist. Yeah. I did have professional ones. Yeah. They're eight hundred and fifty bucks each. Yeah. Just get a pair of pantyhose. All I wear skins if I'm training, yeah. and I just buy those compression stocking at the chemist. Yeah. And now they're a meter long, and I've got three or four, and you fold them in half, double compression. I'll put that in. I'll do a twenty-minute inversion, and you wake up the next day, and you, it's as happy it's as good. Larry. So yeah. that's just probably a long-term maintenance now that I just observe. Yeah. Um, but it's. They said after 18 months, the skin will have 85% of its tensile strength. Yeah. 
I've been tested. I mean, I've had guys kick the shit out of my legs now. Man, your legs are super strong. So I'm pretty happy. I, I've <laughs> I just got out of hospital and I went back to Asia because I pretty much set half my life up there now. And I was walking down the street, still with the compression stocking on that. It was 3 a.m. in the morning. If you've travelled around Asia and India, places like that, they've got soy dogs, the street dogs. Yeah. No one owns them, no one loves them. They're mangy looking yucky dogs and they've all got bad attitudes because they're street dogs and one was under a car and i stopped i was walking down the street in patia at night time very late at night and it just came out from under a car and which leg did it choose this leg oh. <laughs> this leg like really and he went rack and he his tooth went through there <laughs> four teeth went through there 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 and there oh. And now I'm in getting rabies vaccinations oh. next morning. And I'm looking at this leg going, really? You're only just back on board and, yeah. and now you've been ripped up by a soy dog. Oh. And then fast forward another three months, this Russian lunatic attacked me and I punched on with him. And the next thing you know, the side of my kneecaps off and I'm taking the part of my shin off here and got a hairline fracture of the malleoli one centimetre. Oh. So this leg's been pressure tested. So I've got no... Not with qualms in it, it's active and ready to go. Jeez, oh, what about the um, the mobility through the ankle and knee and I are you I, doing are you constantly doing rehab on it to keep it going? What you're doing there with your circle work on your ankle for those who can't see and also my toes. Well no one can see, there's no I, video here. That's hence where I was going with that. <laughs> I, fucking that's what I was permanently doing. Twenty four hours a day in hospital while they're telling me my leg's going. Yeah. I wouldn't stop my legs. Yeah. Unless I was asleep, I would permanently keep my toes moving like that. Yeah. To keep the flow, keep some form of energy and blood flow going. Yeah. A little bit of chi somewhere, you know. I wasn't just going to let my foot just lay there and become dormant. So I was actively doing that. I first got out of hospital and they took me to the physiotherapist. But I'm not a physiotherapist, but I know enough through PT. But I'll have a look at it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Gynecologist, I think you're coming from there. <laughs> Sorry, is that the one? And yeah, I use the terminologies about, you know, I've got to engage soleus, you know, I can't mm. drag, I'm going to have to use the glute, mm. start pushing through, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, what are you really doing here then? And he goes, I've got no paperwork on you anyway. And I said, well, there you go, that's what's happening. He goes, it kind of sounds like you know enough without having to come here for me to rebuild you. So I think just go and do what you need to do. I said, okay, thanks. Mm. So I didn't really see him, I just did my own stuff. Mm. Started with the push bike. And you can. Look, what, you, you've, you've trained long enough and, and, you know, now that you know your body, you, you're like me, we, we have learnt enough stuff. I've been to so many physios and osteos and doctors and stuff and massage therapists that along the way you sort of a little bit of shit rubs off and you sort of get the hang of stuff mm. and you can eventually do stuff without them. Um, and thank you to everyone that has helped my body over the, yeah. the years and years and, and years. And educate you in that and aspect. help educate me on it. You, you know Masai, my lovely Japanese girl? Yes. She's got eight certificates in Thai massage. Mm. She's probably the most qualified person I know in, in Australia, definitely this area. Mm. She puts these hippie skin polishes, the shame. <laughs> when I got out of hospital, she quit her job and flew straight to Australia. And she just looked after me six weeks solid. So I was getting two hour Thai massages every Beautiful. day. Are you massaging the actual scarring on the leg as well? She was doing a lot, yeah. getting, doing things that you didn't even know was possible. Yeah. Getting into the joints, tendons, yeah. the foot, fascia, mm. stretching. Particular, and then we were going and doing yoga up at P 
peaks every morning together. So yoga was hard. There's times I couldn't get my leg into a position. Yeah. But rather than giving up, I just I wouldn't just wouldn't do the pose. And mm. I wait, we go to the next pose, and then I get back into it type of thing. And mm. eventually, yeah, now I've got all the ranges of motion I need back. So good. It's like it sounds like everything that you've done. I mean, you're a you're a positive, energetic guy. You know, you've you've got, you know. You've, you've got more energy than most people I know. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, it gets me in trouble. Yeah, it gets you in trouble. It does too. But I think that's, that's also what has also helped you heal. Mm. You know, it's, it's your attitude towards life. It's your, it's your never give up. It's your, no, I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to accept that as a, as a, as a negative. I'm going to turn that around and, and make this back into a positive. And um, it's a beautiful thing, man. It's so wonderful to see. You could have let that... Here's my cat. My cat loves Hi, you. Kitty. Um, you could have let that be your your way out, as you said. You could have let that lead you down the garden path of uh, you know the oxies and the and the alcohol and the uh, you know fuck it, I'm fucked now. No way. There's too much world to live out there. Mm. I've got countries to travel. I've got food to experiment. I've got food motorcycles to, to ride. I've got. Big waves to charge. I've got chicks to chase, mate. There's so much to do. I'm not, you know, our scholastic system in this country just pigeonholes you. And if you don't conform to their ABC, well, then they just say you, you're right. If the, it sucks that the Western world's only got one outlook. Mm. There's 50 million approaches. Mm. I'm not accepting your approach just because mm. you say it's got to be like that. I'm going to look at 500,000 other ways. You just give me the information. I'll research it because mm. I don't necessarily believe what you say is gospel just because you said it. So, sorry. And that's the approach I had with most of the medical world. Just because you're saying that, it doesn't mean it's that, guys, mm. you know? Absolutely. And I think that's... Um, well, I proved them wrong. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think too many people... I mean, we all, we all have to listen to, you know, people of, of um, expertise in, in, in certain professions. But I think sometimes people take the negative with the with the profession, with the doctors, whether it's cancer or whether it's you know whatever ailment you might end up getting, and they let that get into their head too much, focus on the negative, focus on the poor me, and I think it exacerbates it extremely. And that's again earlier on we were talking about media and subliminal, mm. and if you look at the way. Wording has been chosen through the English language. Uh, You work all week to become weak. So come the weekend, your weekend. (laughs) Look at at words, right? And if you actually get into the nitty gritty behind a lot of the words in the English language, they're designed around a subliminal. Mm. So cancer's only a word. Mm. At the end of the day, it's only a word. Mm. You might as well say ant, cancer, paint, fan. It's, It's a fucking word. But the minute someone hears the cancer, yeah, there's everyone around the bed yeah. hovering around the sick dying human mm. and they all go to that mental video of the hospital bed and everyone hovering right mm. no i know people who've had cancer my my uncle was given six weeks he went 12 and a half years because he told him to get fucked mm. went and swam in port phillip in winter mm. in victoria every day just did things refused to listen mm. my mum had it twice she was like yeah whatever i'm still pressing on i'm not gonna just roll over because you told me about cancer so it's again it's an attitude and be careful of the subliminal meetings how they've created a word yeah be careful of those thoughts that others are putting into your head yeah 
Just don't let that shit infiltrate into your brain mm. and then cause you to start doubting yourself and doubting your own power and doubting what you can do. Because it, it's as... You, you talk of um, Gadaichi man, Featherfoot, in the Aboriginal custom, right? And he, no one knows who he is. And then when he, perform, when he appears in his form as Gadaichi man, Featherfoot, he'll point the bone. You walk off, you die. But that won't have an effect on me. You could point a bone at me all day. It's how much you believe it. And now it's because of that power of the mind, mm. hence what we put into the word cancer, mm. the power of the mind, you, you kill yourself, mm. <laughs> right? Because yeah. you believe it. Gadaichi yeah. man points the bone and the Aboriginal yeah. walks off and he's dead two days yeah. later, right? You're thinking, fuck, I got the bone. Yeah, bone yep. That's the, yeah. That's that power of the mind. It's mm. just, and again, how did you heal your leg? Well, I'm, I'm approaching everything with my mind apart from your diagnosis. Mm. And, and again, wording, you know, it's just also... That's why, that's why I often like bouncing between broken English, you know, Thai or Japanese, and then coming back to English because their terminology for a description is far mm. opposite to our white description of yep. the same thing. Yep. So, Where do you reckon you're going to end up living? Because you're... Um you know, I've always thought, I, I'm, I'm quite surprised you're still here and not in Thailand. COVID, mate. Yeah. You're going to go back when it's yeah, all... Hell yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. I'm, I'm off. I'm going to live happily ever after. I will come back to this country occasionally. Mm. I find this country, ge geographically, it's amazing. Oh, Dave, I, I, think, I, I think we live in the, I think we live in the best country in the world. And I think, but I, I think as far as our government, our laws, um, oh yeah, there's some, there's and some. The, the majority of the people, Australian people, I don't get along with, I don't agree with. <laughs> they call me fucking crazy wog. Good, I am a crazy wog. Crazy Matt, call him crazy so, Matt. You know, like I, I don't. We're all crazy. I don't want to be here. I, I, I've, I've experienced feelings and emotions overseas with humans that have got nothing mm. and they're the nicest people on the planet. Mm. I don't aspire to a big four drive and a big TV. So I don't, this trickery of having to work to your 70 to pay for mortgage and then enjoy the last three, four years of your life with a broken body, that's never made sense. So I've just got myself to a point in life I could comfortably live there. I don't need all the, uh, Ells and graces, I'm just happy with the sarong, mate, and a bit of food and a nice house cleaner and maybe a 50-cent cold beer from the milk bar, and I'm, I'm done. I'm, <laughs> I'm beautiful. complete. Keep it simple. You know, in Australia, I'll get a sore back. I've got a book in for a month. It costs me 120 bucks. No, you've got to get a referral it's first. Click, click. Oh, there you go. And you just go, really? Over there, what, five bucks? And some little Asian jumps all over you, and you just come out feeling amazing. You know, it's, it, it gets disheartening, this country at times. It really does. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's all in your head, Matty. Oh, it is too. Um, um, look where we are now at the lakeside. Yeah, look at that. The cat's sitting next to you. Hey, um, man, well, I'm glad we ended up bumping into the street again and getting you on the podcast. Thanks for having a chat. And Thank you, but more to the point, I just it's good to catch up with you. Mate. Oh, man, it's... Um, also, did you bring your... You only you didn't sport jeans. You didn't bring any gear to training. I got a gear and I got knee pads oh. in the car. Well, we might even throw the gear on now and go and have a little. Why don't we, eh? Why don't we? Let's do it. All Man, right. Unreal, Maddie. Awesome. Thanks, you're, Dave. You're a legend. Love your work. Thank you very much. Same, same, mate.
This has been another episode of the Bold and the Beautiful podcast. Davella has left the building.